I think it starts with understanding that we need to stop being against each other. I'm trying to create a movement. I can't be the only one. Like, for one, it's just thinking really small. I want to start a movement. That's why I have that hashtag, she can it. Like, around the world that are inspiring women to learn about their cars, to not think that they need a man to know this stuff, to know that they can understand it and learn it and make confident decisions when it comes to the car without a guy. That's my sole purpose. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Femcanics, I want to hear from you and get your feedback. I want to know what you like or don't like about the podcast. You can leave a message by calling 614-636-2240. Again, it's 614-636-2240. Leave me a message and who knows, you might hear yourself on the podcast. Patrice Banks is in the driver's seat today. She is the CEO of Girls Auto Clinic. She got into the automotive field not by being an expert in automotive mechanics or repair, but by being an expert in the experience of a woman in the automotive industry. By being unapologetic about her passion and values and speaking her truth to any and all in the automotive industry, Patrice has earned a spotlight on various media platforms, from NPR to Time Magazine to TED Talks. Patrice dives deep and shares her passionate views about how women can work together to transform the automotive industry into one that works for all. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you, and I have Patrice Banks in the driver's seat today. How are you doing today, Patrice? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, or Miss Banks if you're nasty, right? <laughs> you follow my personal page, I see. <laughs> I've done my homework, girl. I've done my homework. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. Great. I am honored to have you here, and you and I just chatted a little bit. And normally with the Femcanic Garage podcast, I, we go through kind of a chronological journey of your career. And because yours is documented so well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell the listeners, go to patricebanks.com. And you can find the entire career background. You're all over the media. Um, you are a badass in your own right. And I love the fact that you're outspoken and you won't take no for an answer. So if you're okay with that, Patrice, I'd like to dive into some nice, juicy topics if you're up to that. Yeah, that's great. You can get like patricebanks.com has a lot of good uh, information, but there's also most of our press is on girlsautoclinic.com. So I don't have all of our my press on patricebanks.com, but you're reminding me that I should upgrade my website. <laughs> get on that, girl. Get on that. I guess. Yeah, I know. I need to get on it. <laughs> well, it's been hard for you to keep up. It's crazy because I don't really care about my website. I'm like, all right, we'll get to it. You know, like I'm always just focused on what can I do for the business? You know, so that's, I just forget about it. <laughs> I tell you what, if you can give the 60,000 foot level of your background. I did a pre-recorded bio before this where I take it from a lot of, so the listeners know a little bit about you, but can you give just a quick snapshot of, of your career? Sure. So um, I'm an engineer. Actually, I worked for DuPont for 12 years and I'm a self-proclaimed auto airhead. I didn't like my car. I wasn't excited about cars. I didn't think I could know cars. I always thought it was something I should leave to a guy, even as an engineer and as an empowered, smart woman, right? I was very empowered. I owned a house. I had a car. I was an engineer and a manager at a Fortune 500 company. And there was just things in my life I didn't feel in control of and felt 
empowered. And my car was one of them. I thought I needed a guy to help me. I thought I was being taken advantage of as a mechanic every time I would go in. Um, and I would panic anytime something happened with my car. So tired of feeling frustrated with my experiences. I was looking for a mechanic or looking for information to educate myself on how to better take care of my car, how to talk to a mechanic, what to do in an emergency. And um, I couldn't find anything. It was very, this was back in like 2011. It was really limited on the internet of things, education for women around their cars. I couldn't find a female mechanic. And I thought, this is crazy. I'm going to go back to school and learn about cars. And then I'm going to create a business that's going to cater to women. So they don't fear their mechanics. So they don't fear their cars. So they can be empowered and educated and make the right choice when it comes to the decisions that they have to make, whether it's buying a car or getting a aftermarket warranty or getting, you know, their car approved for maintenance and repair. So that's where Girls Auto Clinic came out of. And um, we were established in 2013. I've been doing things like car care workshops, free car care workshops uh, for women. I wrote a car care book that was published by Simon & Schuster. And um, I opened a full-service auto repair center in Philadelphia that's staffed with female mechanics and has a nail salon. We can get your nails done while you're waiting for your car. So really thinking about how we can just improve women's experience when it comes to their, their automobiles, their vehicles. Um, that's what I'm here for. I tell people I'm not an automotive company. I'm a female empowerment company. I'm here for women. And that's what our mission is, is how we can change the face of this industry, how we can include more women, how we can put them back in positions of ownership and influence. Because women are the number one customer in the automotive industry by far. We spend a lot of our money on our cars. We influence a lot of car buying decisions. We're the number one driver now across all age groups above 25. Uh, the future is female, like they say. So I want to make sure that, you know, if we're dominating this industry financially, we own it. And we feel good about the choices that we make. And the people in this industry are listening to us and to our needs and to our desires. And they're creating services and products around women with women in mind. That's the whole goal for Girls Auto Clinic. And you, you've said that a few times, I can tell. <laughs> I have. When I came up with this idea of what I wanted to do, that was it. Everything in my life had kind of just disappeared. I was like, you know, sprinting fast in that direction. Girls Auto Clinic of this goal. There's nothing else mattered. I was like, this is it. This is it for me. This is what I want to do. So uh, people always ask, what did you know? <laughs> you know, it's like that quick. It just happens. And I was like... I'm quitting my job. I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be a mechanic. I'm going to work on cars. I'm going to open a shop. I gave a TED talk. I was just bold. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know a female mechanic. And I'm giving a TED talk saying I'm going to open a shop with female mechanics and I'm going to disrupt the automotive industry. Fearless. I had no clue what I was talking about. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about disrupting the automotive industry because yeah. he here's the thing. As you shared all that, I'm sitting there thinking in the back of my head, Oh, I'm sure you were welcome with open arms because we chatted a little mm -hmm. bit and you said you're bold, you're direct with people. And Unapologetic, yeah. It's a predominantly white male traditional, <laughs> I would say traditional industry. And that's the family that I grew up in was very white traditional where people avoid conflict and try to smooth things over and just kind of go with the flow, very German. And, mm -hmm. and yeah. I, when I hear you explain this, this is like sticking a, you know, a backpack of dynamite and blowing people's world up. How were you received? Was it just from men? Were you given good feedback? Did you, were you met with resistance? For the most part, I was met with very positive feedback because I talk a lot. I'm very open and I'm excited and I couldn't wait to tell people like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> right. I, and people were excited. Most people were really excited. And these were just people that knew me or people around me. There weren't like specific people in the industry. It wasn't until I started getting a little bit of press um, and started to get some notice nationally that people from the industry started chiming in on Girls Auto Clinic or what I, my views were. And it was kind of, you know, I said you want to avoid confrontation. It's kind of like, we love what you're doing, but you need to chill on this or this isn't right or you need some more experience, you know. And I didn't look at it at the time as because I'm a woman. I didn't look at the time as because I'm black, a woman of color. I looked at it as like people just don't like being told the truth. You know, I'm out here saying women are the number one customer by far. We influence all these 95% of car buying decisions, right? Women hold more driver's licenses than men above 25. Like, why isn't there anything for women? 
the statistics say 85% believe that women are taken advantage of and mistreated. That blows my mind. Just from a business standpoint, right? $200 billion a year women spend on buying and repairing their cars. And there was essentially nothing in terms of um, a big scale of saying, we're here to help women feel better about their cars, to change their perception, right? Um, that just blew my mind. And so I wanted to be someone, not from the inside, from the outside saying, hey, this isn't right, right? But this is kind of what I love about America and being a business owner is you can just create a business and change it, which is what I was doing. And I thought that was great. And I thought people would be happy. But people don't like to be told the truth. They don't like to see, you know, that they've been ignoring women or that they've been discriminating against women or that the industry has been abusing women and not paying attention. If it doesn't make them feel good, it doesn't make them look good. That's a powerful word right there, abusing women. Boy, that, that'll fire some people up. <laughs> good. We try to good. sugarcoat things. And the reality is, is until we accept where it actually is, it doesn't get better. Exactly. Oh, I'm so about truth speaking, right? Telling people their truth, right? Like there's power in that. And people don't understand that part of the reason that I'm so big, right? I don't have the experience that some of these other people in the industry have, right? But, and, but I'm on the cover of People Magazine and I'm giving talks with NPR, Terry Gross, right? And a TV show is because I stand up for what I believe in. It's because I speak of stuff that people don't want to. That's what made me blow up. That's what mm, makes love me it. possible. You know, I'm not, there's not something I know that they don't, there's not something that I can do that they won't. It's not more of the same. It's right. It's, it's the fact that I have the courage to do it. Right. And so that's what I think is what brings me all of this. And then, you know, you start to see other people follow suit. I didn't see, you know, a lot of female empowerment in the automotive industry when I first started. And now you're starting to see a lot of women coming out with podcasts. And right, hashtagging female mechanic, right? And they're selling their stickers and doing workshops. And it's just, I love it. I'm seeing all these girl groups coming up. It's fabulous. And I'm all for it. I'm like, how can I support you? Ladies, let's do this. <laughs> you bring up a, a couple of things. I have two questions. But the first question before I move on to the, the other topic is you'd mentioned where some of them, and I'm guessing men and women, them coming to you and pretty much saying, pump the brakes. Don't talk about yes. this. Don't say that. Yes. Can you give a couple of examples? I'm just trying to wrap my mind around that a little bit. Yeah. You know, here's the thing about me. When the men say it, I'm like, I don't give a shit what you think. I'm not here for you. Right. And that's one of the reasons that a lot of people like women are inspired by me because I have talked to right VPs at AutoZone and Pet Boys, and I tell them, I am a female empowerment company. I'm not here for the automotive industry. I'm here for women. I'm not getting on your train and getting online, right? My goal here is to empower women. I didn't quit my job and my good, you know, good corporate cushy job because I wanted to own a shop or because I was trying to compete with the Pet Boys, you know? So if the men weren't listening to me or had some shit to say, I was like, I don't in one and out the other. Who cares what you think? I'm not here for you. You're not my customer. I don't care, right? And what I'm going to do is create a business that you're going to be inspired by. You're going to say, wow, look at what she's doing and who's paying attention to her. We need to pay attention to this. We now need to follow suit, right? That was kind of the goal. Mm, I love it. Where it got a little murky was when women in the industry would approach me. So in the beginning, I was like super excited to reach out to as many women as I could. Like, how can we work together? Because I know it's about collaboration, right? Like, we're going to need a movement. We, we got to get together and be all about women power. And the feedback I got from women was, you are pissing people off. You don't really know what you're talking about. There's a lot of good businesses out here. You're just trying to be cute and sexy in your pants and your Right. Like I didn't really know that I needed some more experience, that the automotive industry didn't like what I was saying, that there's some good people in here. And um, I was like, OK, <laughs> cool. And I think it's, it has a lot to do with this isn't an automotive industry specific phenomenon. Like you see this everywhere with women. And this is part of the issue of being in a patriarch society is it's like follow the rules and you'll get to where you're supposed to get. Right. Meanwhile, there's five women, right, in the industry. There's tons of men, and they're like, well, if you just follow the rules, right, you'll get to where I did. 
And it's like, no, like, I understand that that's what you had to do, but that's your rules. Like, this is what I want to do. And this is the thing about claiming your power, just like not being unapologetic. There's so many people who don't follow that path that they think, well, I did it this way. And that's the way that you should do it. And they get mad when you bust on the scene. They're like, well, I'm here and you're going to just have to accept it. You know, and they're afraid that they didn't do it because they're afraid. They're, they're probably in their hearts mean well, right? Like uh, maybe there's a little tins of jealousy in there. Like, why is she getting all this attention? Oh, because of her pants, because she's attractive, right? Because of this stuff in her heels, like she's getting more attention. But really, it's, they're upset because they missed the boat, <laughs> right? They, had not, they didn't say this stuff. They weren't out there talking this. And, and here comes an outsider saying, nothing's being done. Women aren't being paid attention to. I'm going to create a business. I'm going to disrupt y'all, right? You're going to pay attention to me. And then that, that probably makes them look at themselves. Like, I, why didn't I speak up? Why didn't I say anything? Or why didn't I see it? Let me ask this, Patrice. Let me ask this real quick. So that was your personal experience and feedback and different things that you received. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big proponent in, okay, here's what happened. What's your recommendation of how, how can we do it differently? What are things that we should do differently? Um, I think it starts with understanding that we need to stop being against each other. And, and women are so much like it's, it's only room for one. Because that's what I was told by another woman in the industry. Like, you're trying to be the only one. I'm like, where? Where do I even say that? <laughs> I'm trying to be the only one, right? Like, I'm not trying to be the only one. I'm trying to create a movement. I can't be the only one. Like, you know, how small thinking is that? Patrice and Girls Auto Clinic is going to disrupt this industry. It's going to change the face of billions and billions of dollar industry. Like, come on. I'm not that big of an ego, number one. It's just thinking really small. I want to start a movement. That's why I have that hashtag, she can't. Like, around the world that are inspiring women to learn about their cars, to not think that they need a man to know this stuff, to know that they can understand it and learn it and make confident decisions when it comes to the car without a guy. That's my sole purpose. And so I think it just gets, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a jealousy or a hate thing or if it's just like maybe they're feeling bad that they are not trained. I think it's a scarcity thing. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, Patrice, when, when I first started my podcast, I, I ran into this same thing where people were messaging me and leaving comments on my Instagram around, oh, this sounds like this podcast. And oh, look, yeah. now there's a competitor. I'm like, I, I don't get it. Even if there's four women or women focused podcasts in the automotive industry or trades industry. With four people, if they were producing podcasts weekly, wouldn't cover every woman. How many male podcasts are there? You know, right. someone got upset because I told them I wanted to open a shop in Atlanta. Like a female mechanic got upset about that. I'm like, you think Pep Boys gives a fuck that a Midas opens up down the street? Are you kidding me? There's millions right. of people in Atlanta. Like, let's do this. Let's support each other. Let's yeah. Or let's partner. You know, send people to your shop. Send people to my shop. Like, we can't do yes. it all alone, you know, and, and that mindset is what's killing people. And I think that they see them out there putting myself, you know, out there without thinking of scarcity, without being afraid. And maybe they're intimidated by that because, you know, I'm like, that shouldn't stop you from opening a shop. You shouldn't be afraid of me coming to Atlanta. You should be excited and be like, let's, how do we work together? But there's people are afraid because how women are just trained sometimes in a, a patriarch society, like you said, when it's scarce, when they think it can only be one, right? I'm like, no, it can be all of us. We could all be doing some incredible stuff. We all are doing incredible stuff. Let's highlight it and show women around that there's so much to go around. It's not even funny. And I just hate that view of scarcity. I always think in abundance. Always. Do you know how many people are in the world? <laughs> like, are right? you kidding me? How many cars are on the road? How many women are out there? So it's something that I just don't get because it's just not my way of living. But, um, you know, I want to help women. I want to empower women. Like, that's why I'm here. Your message, Patrice, the reality is it, it doesn't resonate with everyone. My, my story right. doesn't resonate with everyone. You fill in the blank with the women in the industry the reason why we all have different stories, there's different things that each of us can learn and pull from each other's stories. It doesn't make any one person's story right or wrong, more valuable or less right. valuable. 
That's right. all it is. And women just, they can't stand sometimes and really, right? They're like, oh, that's too girly. There's blue lines and stuff. And, and like, I'm, like, I do it on purpose where I'm just like, listen, <laughs> I'm a woman and I like to wear heels and I like to wear pants. I like to get my nails done. But I also know about cars and I learn about cars and I can work on cars and get my nails dirty and get my hands dirty if I need to, right? I don't have to fit into this box or category of who I am. I'm all of these things and I love that I'm all of these things and I'm not afraid to be all of these things and celebrate that you're this way. You know, people's own fears and their own views of themselves, they project on you. They're too afraid to do that stuff or they feel like they're going to be judged if they're too girly. So they're going to judge you. Mm -hmm. Right. Or they have spent their whole careers trying to make themselves less girly so they can be accepted. How dare you come in here with your heels? Right. Type of a thing, you know, so it's, difficult but women we have to recognize that like that's not helping us we need to to throw those stereotypes out because they 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 come from men right who taught us to think this way about each other um about like if you're girly you're not good enough if you're wearing these heels you're not really taken seriously you should be standing beside the car as a prop you're gonna take me seriously because i know what i'm doing i don't care what you think if I stood in front of my heels in front of the Pep Boys VP and he's like, I don't take her seriously, I don't give a shit. What he does does not affect me. He doesn't affect my business. He doesn't affect my paycheck. Why do I care what he thinks about me? I'm here for women. I'm here to empower women. Guess who I look like? And guess who I talk like? My customer. I talk like the average woman who drives a car, right? Who's worried about that light check engine light that comes on and what to do that wants to buy a car, but doesn't know what car to get is afraid to go into the dealership to be hounded by these very masculine, right? Men with a lot of their energy, male energy, right? That's who I look like. That's who I'm trying to reach. I'm not trying to look or talk like a certain thing so I can appeal to someone, right? Like this is, I'm a woman. These are my experiences. So I can speak on my behalf and a lot of other women have had those same experiences. That's why I love giving interviews. That's why I love talking. Because I'm like, listen, I get it, ladies. I'm not coming from inside. I'm coming from outside. And I want to change it. And I don't claim to know, like, I know what I'm doing. The only thing I claim to know is that how we're going to change this industry by is by empowering women. Because I think that's how we're going to change the world. Absolutely. In anything, like in anything, in capitalism, in socialism, in corporate America, in small business, right, automotive industry, STEM, tech, whatever. If we want to empower, we want to change and, and change the world and empower people, we need to empower women. That's the key to me, right? So I'm like, what can we do to make sure that women are empowered? And I didn't see that happening in the automotive industry. And so that's why I came in with, you know, all of my A different perspectives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I thought, let's get it moving. Let's get something started. And I think we have. Right. I think something's starting with women in the industry. I and totally we're, agree. We're seeing us being recognized more and coming out and, and doing podcasts and sharing our stories. <laughs> right. And creating our own communities so we can support each other. And I freaking love it, man. And if I were to sum up what I'm hearing your message is, ladies, it's time for us to boss up and lock arm in arm, that doesn't mean we all have to agree with exactly how our fellow woman or female is doing it. But it's just about giving the space to honor that they have their path too, and that there is space for all of those paths. Right. And that is okay. But we have to band together on this and we have to boss up. And part of bossing up is Dude, let's let's drop this stuff and let's hey, if you see a fellow female rocking it, kudos. It may not be your exact path, but that doesn't make it a wrong path. Right. And let me tell you something too. This is hard. This is not easy. So when you see a woman doing it and it and doing it, you know that she's had to go through a lot. And so it's like, let's help them instead of trying to be more of like a, a hindrance, right? And, and see ways that we can support each other because you know that this is a lot harder than other people's paths of being a technician or creating a business in the automotive industry. You know, you would think that that's like, okay, how can I help you? Because I know, <laughs> like, that's what we should be doing instead of, instead of criticizing each other for what we think we should be doing. Absolutely. And be more like mentors. Like I, when I came in, I was looking at some other women leaders, so like to be mentors, like, how can we work together? What can I learn? 
right? Because that's the type of person I am. And I was really upset that, you know, I was got a lot of negative feedback based off their opinions on what I was doing and how they didn't think it was right and all this stuff. And this was before I even got really, this was before I even opened the shop, right? This was like back in 2014, 15. And at that moment, I remember saying to myself, like, I don't care. Like, I whether this doesn't work, if this doesn't work, I'm just going to go back to be an engineer. I'm going to try with my hardest to do what I believe is right. I'm not going to listen to what anybody thinks. Mm-hmm. And it still pains me a little bit when I see it from when I see it from a dude, I'm like, I don't care. You know, like I eat, I eat dudes for lunch. It's my freaking favorite hobby is to curse out me. I love it. <laughs> but when it's like a woman that says it, it hurts a little bit. Because I'm like, oh, sister, you don't get it. You know, and we had this TV show coming out, Patty's Auto. And I get this comment last year on a picture I put up of Elizabeth Banks because she's the, one of the producers on the show. And this woman owns a shop and she's been following me for a couple of years. Writes a comment like, uh, don't mess this up, right? I've worked really hard so that there's not bad stereotypes about women and don't make women look dumb. And I'm sitting there like, you've been following me for a couple of years now. Like, where do I make women look dumb? Like, where is that anywhere in my message or anything that I'm doing? You know, and it's just so obvious that these people have an issue with either the way that I'm delivering my message or the visual of my message, you know, um, because it doesn't fit what their beliefs or what they had to do. Or maybe they feel like, oh, I've had this business. She just got here. Right. Why? Why? Why is nobody paying attention to me? I had to work you know, really hard. And I get that those those feelings can come about for some people. But. I don't want people to think in scarcity. I want you to think in abundance and how you can reach out and say, well, how can we help to make sure that this is a great TV show that represents everyone? Yes. Instead of saying, well, don't make us look dumb, right? Right. (laughs) And how can we, you know, just stop looking so much about how we can just criticize these women and say, great, let's do it. Let's all get together and do it. And I really want, I really hope that there's a time that that comes and not just in the automotive industry, but for women in general. I want to, I want to call something out. What we have to remember, and we talked a little bit about this before Patrice is if we want to poke a little hole in the glass ceiling, that's one thing. And I think that's happened. If we want to blow the whole damn thing out of the water, it has to be out of the box. There's no way around it. unfortunate or unfortunate that's the way it's got to be and and the reality is it goes back to what I keep saying and and if I'm being honest Patrice I'm not a high heel girl I'm not I I like my combat boots my work boots and I believe both can be sexy and we have to make room for both oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah period combat boots can be sexy right exactly we do have to make room for both and not have to be judged by what we look like or even how tall um, if high voices, like I've heard women, you know, not being taken seriously because their voices are too high, <laughs> you know, it's like, let that stuff go. <laughs> I've, I've heard that before of female podcasters. They've gotten feedback, yeah. criticized because of their voice. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, part of being a woman in this male society and you're navigating it and it's rough. Like, you know, these women have got scars as well. And, um, you know, and I recognize that I don't hate these people and I'm not, I'm rooting for them. I want everybody to win. You know, I really, really do. I, I know that I'm very intimidating because I'm bold and I won't call you out on your shit because <laughs> I will. <laughs> and, and that Hell scares yeah. people, you know, it kind of scares people and that's fine. And that's fine. Cause that's just who I am. But again, it's the re that's one of the reasons why I've been able to have this success that I've been able to share so much. Um, that maybe some other woman, women haven't been able to, because it's not like there's not other women out here doing stuff, stuff, right? Absolutely. There's a ton of women out there. And I think they should be recognized as well. And we try to share that. I know you do. Um, we have a Chicanic Facebook page where we're always trying to find female mechanics for the women in the group and other shops that are owned by women. We're really just figuring out ways women can support other women and just kind of saying, listen, if you don't have a guy, don't worry about it. We've got a girl, <laughs> you know, never going to make it. Jamie. I, I truly believe like women are not, we talk about the future is female. All of this in female empowerment stuff is a lot of talk. Like 95% of it is talk. And I give talks in corporate America, right? Because I see it not just in the automotive industry. I see it everywhere. I'm engineer. They have me speak a lot in STEM. 
it's a lot of talk in these big corporations. It's huge talk in tech, very huge talk in tech, right? And it's so I'm like, we really need action. And the action happens. I don't believe by going to the industry or these people and to the way that have set it up the way that it is and think, can you help us make change? I think the action is creating new shit like you it out of the box. And that's what I wanted to do. Right. I'm not begging you. They're like, you want to do that? Great. If you don't, then I'll pass. I'll find something else that better aligns with my values and my strategy. You know, so I kind of wanted to do that. And that's what I want women to understand. You don't need the guys. And I came off, I think, in the beginning of saying, I don't need men. And I think that's what turned some people off, too, because that's how they took it. I, we don't need men. And it's not about not needing men, but that's you don't right. need a man to validate you to start that business, to become a mechanic, to make you feel like you're good enough, <laughs> right? I tell people, when I was in school, I was 31 in tech school. I was a manager at DuPont, an engineer now for like 12 years, and I was in class with 19-year-old boys, and I was terrified. I was scared I was going to make a mistake, and they were going to make fun of me. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? I couldn't even imagine what a 19-year-old girl must feel like. And I'm sitting here trying to change the face of an industry, and I'm scared of 19-year-old boys. I told myself, like, you need to really woman up, you know, and just recognize, you know, recognize what you're here to do. Who cares what they think, right? I'm not going to please these guys. I'm going to listen. And if they can't help me, they're in my way. Get out of my way. I will find someone who will help me. I don't care what I don't. I can't. That's what I learned. It's not about how much you know, right? I, I give business competitions. I'm in front of big time people like Damon and John and, 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 and investors, Mark Cuban and stuff talking about what they do. And I'm not afraid to talk to them because I know that there was a point there were once where I was, right? Everything that they know, I can learn. And it's the same with 19 year old boys, like coming through with that energy, with that confidence. I know I don't know everything, but I can learn it because nobody does. And that's one of the things that I've learned, that I've learned being a, like, a, a CEO of a company that's now recognized and I get to talk with other really uh, smart, quote-unquote, executives in the industry. And I'm like, man, these people really don't know. And that's one thing that women should be aware Absolutely. of today, especially with everything going on in the news and just seeing <laughs> how things are being done. Nobody really knows what they're doing. They're figuring it out. And we should never, ever doubt in our mind that we don't belong here. In fact, not only do we belong here, we deserve to be here. And they need us. I tell the industry that all the time. You need women right? You need this to happen. I, I agree. And I'm just curious, Patrice, because we've talked about women as a whole, but it's undeniable that you're a woman of color, right? You're a black woman. Mm -hmm. And I guess for your fellow women of color, one, what is your take? And why do you think there's not more black women in the industry? Um, personally, I don't think there's a lot of black people in the industry in general uh, for automotive. And it's all about representation, just like there being women. You just don't see a lot of black people in these spaces or that, that these jobs are being sold as a good career to black people. And so um, I think that part of the reason is that it's just not something that it's like a career path that a lot of black people look at doing. One, maybe because it's expensive to go to school. Right, it's kind of an expensive career to have with buying all the tools and things that you need to be a technician, and so that might be a barrier a lot for it, especially because it's not like a college degree um, career. And I've got my my views on that, <laughs> you know, on, on college and, and mechanics and all that stuff. But that's for another podcast. That's <laughs> um, So that could be it. But when it comes to so that, but that's all my kind of like the working, working, you know, turning wrenches thing. When it comes to the corporate side, right, we should definitely see more black women. Black women are definitely doing the thing right now. They're super educated, starting businesses, you know, very empowered, raring to go. And I love it. Right. And, and I, I hate to just bring up like racism because there is just racism in almost every single thing in the United States because it's just in everything that we do because it just creates was started that way, right? So there's a little bit of aspect of that, but it's also about representation. And you don't, just don't see black women. So people don't think about black women. It's like you see what you know until someone comes in and says, hey, well, why don't you have any black women? Or, you know, how do we get more diversity? You know, and even one of the companies I think that's doing pretty good with that is Ford. And because they're, they're recognizing like the power, the, balance, the buying power of African-Americans, the, the power for them to use in the workforce. 
and how we can get them more engaged. And and so I think that it's going to be important for us to start recognizing that and, and to start paying attention to that to women, but to also the different ethnicities and races that fall in your customer group because they think differently and their needs are different, right? And And the ways that we empower them and motivate them are very different. And always thinking about that when you're doing projects, you have to, you have to, and I know it's like, well, why do we have to think about this all the time? And it's like, because you have to do the work. If you want to be the best, if you want to make sure you're representing everyone, you have to think about this stuff all the time. Do we have equal representation here? Right. Patrice, I want to pause you one second. When you say they, they think and feel differently, Mm -hmm. they, in your referencing black people, Black, we're talking about black women specifically. Anyone who doesn't fit into like what the uh, majority, right, and uh, uh, which is essentially white men and women in America. So, when, but we're specifically talking about African Americans or black people. So that's yeah, I meant black people. Got it. Got it. And I'm exploring this as an education opportunity to hear a voice, especially to white Americans. I am a white female American and. If I'm being honest with you, Patrice, I have shame as a white woman around how black people are treated. I do. I have biracial children. They're they're half white, half half black. And when I went through this, uh, when we talked about black history and started, that's half of their DNA, right? And going through and exploring that with the kids and not the watered down version of black history, but being real with the kids and reading some books with them and educating my kids around it. I, I had some fear and shame around it, wondering if my kids were going to judge me because I'm white. And and it's, it's an interesting, sensitive topic. It is. um, But that's why I've made it a priority to make sure I have women of color on this podcast, so it's not just a white female's perspective. Yeah. Because it is different. It is. It is. It is different. It's a different experience. But it goes back to kind of those same core values or, or core motivations for people. Now, we talked about with women, it's like a fear and it's a shame to it. I think it's, it's still too with women when it comes to like white women versus black women is the shame of knowing that they have done something or that they could have done something that was discriminatory or racist towards black people, right? And how they want to push that off and they don't want to accept it. They don't want to face the truth of not only does this happen to this person, but I also could have contributed to it unknowingly. And the work that it it means that you have to do to undo that learning, to undo those stereotypes, yeah. right? They, it, it's hard, and you have, but you have to put in the work like you're saying that you want to do, right? It's so important to be, to do that and not get lazy and just say, well, it's not me. It's not my fault. Like this isn't happening. It starts with awareness. I I was in the biggest, you know, here I am thinking I have a special past because my children are biracial. And the reality is it it starts with awareness, Mm -hmm. right? And and stop being so blind and naive around white privilege. Right. And I am guilty of it. I am so guilty of it. But it's about having conversations like this and yeah. saying, hey, it's okay. And I would like, you know, I, I'm biracial too. Um, and I know things are kind of changing. I grew up in the 80s. Uh, I was born in 1980. Like biracial wasn't really a thing back then. And we didn't grow up biracial. I was black, right? If you were biracial, if my dad was black, my mom was white. You know, my mom was white. I was black with a white mom. Like that's just what it was. Because <laughs> that's what, you know, America was you had a drop of black blood and you were considered black. Like that's just kind of how they did it. So that's how biracial kids Mm -hmm. were treated back then. Today, (laughs) your kids are the future, right? Like everybody's like mixed and biracial. And they say the generation B, which is your kids, um, one and two of them are non-white, right? So like the future is biracial children. And so it's just so so much more common now, you know, to, to be kind of talking about these things and it being in our face. Uh, when I was at DuPont, I remember we took this multicultural awareness training and someone told me, like, you're kind of like a bridge in a way to help bring these two sides together. I never looked at that because I, you know, I do pass. Well, that's a beautiful way of putting right, it. Right. Because I'm like, I, I did pass um, in many white spaces because I'm a white and black person. Right. And I was 
well-educated and very smart are in these spaces where I'm maybe the only white black person and they don't know it, (laughs) you know? And then Mm -hmm. I'm also in spaces where I'm around black people who are struggling with crack addiction, right? Fathers being put in jail illegally or, you know, unfairly on, on bail and being sent to jail and dealing with a lot of the things that just black people have had to deal with for years because I live it. I'm in it every single day. And then, you know, because of my education and also just my character, I had this motivation to get out, right? My mom was not educated. Nobody in my family was. I was the only one to really be able to graduate from high school and go on to college, you know, but then being on that flip side, and being able to see how these people live and how these people think, right? And it's just, it's an ignorance. It's not that they're most super malicious. It's that they just don't want to see all the pain that's been caused. And I see it every day. And, right, yeah. and um, and I go back and I'm living in a life that doesn't have, you know, this type of pain. It's different. Not that white people don't struggle. It's not like there's not issues that white people don't deal with. And ultimately, there are a lot of the same issues with shame and guilt and not feeling good enough, right? And it's the same kind of core um, motives that cause us to act. We're all more alike than different. That's the reality of it. But one of the issues with Black people, like the added, it's just every day, it's an added thing. It's an added emotional stress. It's an added physical stress. It's an added spiritual stress. And so that's what the added stress that Black people have every day, no matter how much money they have, no matter what their education is, right, or where they live in the United States, that white people don't have. And that's the privilege, is you don't have that added stress that just waking up being black and going outside or turning on your television or your radio brings, right? And that's what they can't understand. And I do, because I grew up like that, even, you know, in that environment. So so I just want them to be aware of that, right? Um, and, 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 And understand that that's, it's going to be hard work and they have to push themselves every day to make themselves aware of it. And and women should know, they know a little bit more than men because they feel what it's like to be oppressed. So I, I, I put it on women a little bit harder when I see that they're not paying attention to this or that they're not working towards including other minority groups because we should know better, <laughs> you know. We should. Patrice, I have thoroughly enjoyed our time. If you're open to launching into the red line round. What the red line round is, is it's five rapid fire questions. Cool. There's no right or wrong answer. Whatever pops into your head is the right answer. <laughs> Are you up? Sure, yeah. This reminds me of concern. It seems like one of my faves. <laughs> he does this on his podcast. Right? Like, <laughs> quick fire questions. I would love, I would die to go on it. So you're preparing me. Let's go. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yeah. Red line question one. Mm-hmm. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Wow. So I, that's like not going to be a quick um, answer. I'm never quick with answers, but it's, it's a lot. I'm not inspired by one person. Really. I find inspiration every day in some of the smallest things. When I see somebody who um, is trying their hardest to do something that they believe in and they're passionate about it, I'm inspired. Whether that's a 10 year old kid that's running a business right? Or a 60 year old person who's gone back to school, it inspires me to be the best that I can be. Um, And so there's not specifically one person I can say Oprah really, because she's my true north. There's no excuse. If Oprah can make it, (laughs) there's no excuse why any of us can, right? Like Oprah has been abused and right. She's had, you know, raped as a kid and been in children's homes for girls because she was bad and miscarried a child, right? That, and ugly and has dealt with abuse and drugs and all this shit and she's still number one right like there's no excuse you know depression anxiety all of it she's my true north so i would say oprah but i find you have to find inspiration every day because you can if you're looking for it you know absolutely number two where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck (laughs) <laughs> Google, <laughs> Google, YouTube University. I love to read, right? Like reading is, is so important and it, it, it encompasses the majority of my day a lot um, is just reading the news. Um, re- I follow certain hashtags or certain trends that I want to learn about. Do you care sharing any of those hashtags? The latest 
certain trends like, you know, automotive trends. Like, so on the news, I'll follow things going on with cars or with, like, Tesla, things in tech that come with cars. Things like Ford and Chevy or just, like, certain brands and what moves they're making. Um, and just paying attention to women, STEM, women, STEM, startups, small business, anything around those keywords. I'm always looking to get knowledge about. And, and really, most of it is around how to be a, a better leader. My ultimate goal and knowledge is learning how to be a better leader. I think we should all be learning how to do that every single day because we're all, in a way, leading someone, even if we're not natural leaders. And it's hard. <laughs> Leadership is extremely hard, but it's just something that I do. And so I, I want to get better at it. So most of my reading is surrounding um, leadership. Yeah. And so that's, that's how I do it. It's reading. Love it. And I, I think I know the answer to this one because we've talked a lot about it. But in one sentence, what excites you most about what you do? <laughs> Definitely empowering women and seeing women change where they feel about themselves because they touch the tool or they, they know something now about their car that they can go back and share with their husband. And now they're like, what else can I learn? I love seeing women empowered in that way. It makes it worth it. Love it. And Patrice, what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in, in the industry when you feel stuck or unsupported or discouraged? One personal practice. Uh, it's definitely journaling. So there's a couple things because there's different reasons why you feel stuck. And if it's like I feel stuck because I can't figure out a problem, I'll meditate and I'll journal. If I feel stuck because I'm just unmotivated to work, like there are times when I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I wake up and I'm like, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do girls' all the clinic, right? I don't want to look at my email. I get sick in my stomach, just thinking of a phone call. And that's when I know I need to take a break. So when I get stuck for that, I'm like, go on vacation and come back re-energized for your business. But um, when I get stuck for like decisions I need to make, it's about like journaling um, and meditating. And so, and I'm very organized. I try to do that every day, at least anyway, because it just helps it being like a small business owner. It's just hard, <laughs> like hard work. You will go insane and you kind of have to lose your mind a little bit <laughs> to, to get peace of mind in a way when it comes to owning your business or um, creating something like a girl's auto clinic, something that you're really passionate about and growing it. You know what I heard in that right there that is helpful to me, and I'm sure others as well, is that even if you're passionate about something and you, you at its core love it, sometimes you still get unmotivated and sometimes you don't want to do yeah. it. And that doesn't mean that you're off track or you're on the wrong or you path. Need to quit. It's just yeah. sometimes that happens. Yeah. You just need to pause. Yeah, I want to be honest with people about that. I feel that a lot because <laughs> this is hard. And you're working hard, your body and your mind. It's your mind playing tricks on you because you're tired, right? Your mind saying you're burnt out, you're tired, back away. And you'll come back re-energized with the, the, the ideas that you need to, to move forward. It works every time. And it, but it scares me. It still gives me anxiety when I... I'm like, oh, I don't want to work. And I feel bad. Like, I should be working. I should be working. And then with no Patrice, because you know, every time this happens and you step away, you come back. Like, trust the process. Trust the process. So <laughs> I would say that. Ooh, love <laughs> it. Patrice, in two or three sentences, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades industry? Definitely have the confidence to do you. If it's in your heart, if it's in your head, if it's in your dreams, that's your sign that it's yours already. You just got to put in the work and you're going to be afraid. I tell people my biggest fear, you want to know my biggest fear is, Jamie, besides heights, public speaking. And yet I speak in besides front of heights. crowds. <laughs> I speak in front of crowds with thousands of people in the audience. And I'm terrified of public speaking. Face your fear. You're not going to die. Not, but like, what's the worst that can happen? People are, are like not reaching their dreams because they're afraid. It has a lot to do with facing your fears. And so I absolutely would tell them that one, right? Stop caring about what other people think of you. And I have to work on this daily too. Stop caring about what other people think of you and find your support, your community, your support, who loves you, no matter who you are or what you do, they support you. You don't need to worry about what other people are thinking because you have people in your life that love you and know who you are. Those are that's my advice. <laughs> I love it. 
And Patrice, where and how can people connect with you? Okay, so you want to connect with me personally. You have to email info at girlsautoclinic.com. My assistant won't get it, and she'll forward it to me. It just depends on kind of like what it is. Because uh, people try to reach me at all kinds of inboxes, all over social media, and then I feel bad because I can't reach everyone, and I would love to answer all the questions that I get, but I can't. So, But you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook and Twitter, Girls Auto Clinic across the board. We also are going to be um, launching our Chicanic brand. We're like relaunching it. We haven't really done much with it, but I'm creating a lifestyle brand really around Chicanic and we'll be offering more like car tips and products and videos and stuff uh, for women drivers. And so that's at Chicanic um, on Instagram. So we'll be coming out with a YouTube channel and hopefully a, a podcast. We'd love to do something, um, not really an interview podcast, but more of just um, girls talking about cars and, you know, kind of like a car talk thing where I want to highlight it. I don't even want to be in it, to be honest. It's going to be like just, you know, women coming in and talking about their car, you know, problems or their stories and accepting calls from other women so we can help them, you know, answer their questions about cars, all that kind of stuff. So we're coming out with that too. Patrice, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today. I thoroughly enjoyed sitting down and chatting with you about some raw, in-your-face topics. That's what I was most excited about, is I know I could count on you for being real. (laughs) Anytime. I appreciate you doing this. We need more of it. Keep it up. Yeah, just keep keep it up. We need you, right? We need more women. We need need you telling me stories and and people hearing about us. So keep it up. (laughs) Absolutely. My name is Patrice Banks. I'm the CEO of Girls Auto Clinic, and I'm a Kathleen Larson is in the driver's seat next. She's the owner of Signet Auto Trimming, a company that makes custom upholstery. Kathleen dives into the journey that led her from airplane mechanic to starting her own upholstery company. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?